Hi, this is Colin McCallan. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. Thank you. Welcome to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, attorneys Colin McCallan and Russell Hevitz. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Is This Legal? We missed you since last time. Oh, man. I've been counting the days. <laughs> my name is Russell Hevitz. I'm here with my partner, Colin McKellen, and we're coming to you from sunny Colorado, Denver. Yeah, very sunny lately. Very sunny, very hot. Like, yeah, like might it say is, too sunny. I mean, it's it's how, how many million people are under heat advisories right I, now just I, here? I don't know. I, it's Yeah, it's it's been warm. Well, I'll tell you, we have my family's hosting a Spanish exchange student from Spain right now, and he was speaking to his family, and there are some pretty tremendous wildfires and heat waves going on back in Europe as well. Yeah. So as everyone is baking out there, hopefully you're sitting in some air conditioning or in a nice air conditioned car, and we can provide you with some entertainment. We're going to cool you down with a little mellow Hebbitson McCallan is this legal podcast, I think I, is what my uh, my smooth co-host is trying to say. I mean, that was almost like a late night <laughs> DJ right now. I feel like, like Red Rooster Club-ish. <laughs> do, do, you, do you know your blues, Colin? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking about marijuana in America. We've done a prior podcast on this, How High Are We Now? Right. Um, <laughs> Back uh, to, in 2019. It's, we're going to see, it's amazing how kind of outdated that was, even though we kind of covered some of this two years ago. Things are changing very quickly, and you know, we, we named the podcast... Um, is it legal to grow weed in Colorado? Because we do get that question a lot because it's a legal state, but we're not just going to talk about growing marijuana. We're going to talk about federal marijuana status. Where are the feds right now on it? What's going on with potential legislation? We're going to talk banking laws. We're going to talk about what states are doing. We have a fresh new guest for everyone on our Is This Legal segment. Yeah, Dave Dave Ferrante is going to join us later. Uh, he's a hoot. Uh, he'll be playing Is This Legal with us. And he's fresh from our most visited well of DCOTW contestants. <laughs> so he's, he's going to be coming to us from Florida. That's then right. we're, we're going to be talking about what we are seeing in the marijuana um I guess, in the marijuana growing field, right. whether it's legal or not, in the state, what other states are doing, and national marijuana attitudes. That's right. So let's get to it, Russ. Um, why don't we... I mean, these things are changing so much. Uh, I mean, I remember when 2014 rolled around, and Colorado, our state, was the very first state that legalized marijuana. Uh, it was us and our sister state of Washington. There were two. You know, that has changed a lot. In the last, uh, we're going to talk more about these numbers later, but we've got 18 states, Russ, where marijuana is fully legal, both recreationally and medically. And there's a lot more states that have legislation pending. So the landscape really is changing quickly on this, which is why we kind of want to revisit this and give everybody an update. Well, we have 18 states legalized. We have 37 plus the District of Columbia, where it is legal either recreationally or medically. That's right. And then you pointed out there's even more <clears throat> that are legal for CBD, That's right? right. We, we're at a point now, Russ, where we can actually count the states where 
uh, marijuana is illegal, where it's fully illegal on our hand. Okay, it's uh, South Carolina, Kansas, Idaho, and Wyoming. Those are your four states that still have an absolute prohibition on uh, cannabis. Everyone else, though, has at least a medical statute or a uh, CBD, which is the you know less psychoactive uh, byproduct of uh, THC that people use for oils, essential oils for ointments, heal, you know, medical purposes. And I think it's non psychoactive. I think CBD is non. Correct. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So this is definitely going one way and one way only, which is trending toward legalization. Well, so let's talk about what the feds are doing because right now it is still illegal. Yeah. Marijuana in any form is still <laughs> illegal at the federal level. I mean, let's face it. The feds are really harsh in the mellow. <laughs> of the cannabis, uh, you know, lovers in America. Of, of Johnny you know, Toker out it's, there. It's like, <laughs> come on, narc. Can we back <laughs> off a little bit? But yeah, I mean, Russ is absolutely right, though. Uh, I mean, uh, as is often the case, I feel like the federal government is a few steps behind on this. Um, Russ, what's going on? Uh, are, are, is there stuff cooking uh, in the United States Congress with regard to marijuana decriminalization or legalization? There, there is stuff cooking in there, but you know it's been cooking for a while. Mm-hmm. It's like this, this bread has been rising yeah. for years, it's starting to turn and, a little brown and crusty right, on top. And, right, exactly. But let let's take a half a step back and talk about the the current state marijuana right now under the Federal Controlled Substances Act, which is what kind of categorizes all drugs of abuse mm-hmm. in our country. Marijuana is currently and always has been a Schedule One drug federally. What that means for you out there is, according to the federal government, there is no currently accepted medical use, and it has a high potential for abuse. No current medical use, Colin, despite the fact that 37 states have legal medical marijuana. It's amazing. And, and and again, I think they're out of touch with what's going on and what the science shows. But I mean, to put this in perspective, you know, you got marijuana, it's a schedule one drug, cocaine, methamphetamine, those are schedule two drugs. Uh, the government says, oh, we, we might have some legitimate purpose for those. We're going to de- you know classify those as being less harmful than our schedule one friend marijuana. Yeah, which from a criminal defense standpoint is just asinine. Well, it's fiction. It's, really, right. it, it, it's you know. It, I mean, I think the U.S. government is just not reading literature out there that that actually demonstrates how there can be some medical purposes to THC or CBD. You know, are there problems with marijuana? Of course, there are. You know, um, you, you compare it with with even any legal drug, alcohol, tobacco. Sure, sure. You don't want you you want to want it to be regulated. Um, but uh, to suggest that there's absolutely no medical value for this thing in 2022, it really, you used the word asinine. I can't really think of a better word because it, it flies in the face of reason and common sense and science. Yeah. So, so despite the fact though, that this is a schedule one highest schedule federally prohibited drug over the, the years, recent history, federal law enforcement has not been super aggressive in prosecuting marijuana cases. That's true. So so they, at least on the ground, have seen maybe this isn't our highest priority. You know, you go back to the um, Attorney General Cole mem- memo. Under the Obama administration. Under, under yeah. Obama, where he basically put out a memo to all the U.S. attorneys in the country saying, hey, we're going to deprioritize prosecution if you f- find a grow with 
a hundred plants or less, or maybe it was under under a hundred plants. Right. You want it? You want to hit ninety nine under that and not not hit that one hundred? Yeah. They You'll, suggested, look, we're going to back off on a lot of these much smaller operations. We just don't care, right? Especially in states that think at the time they identified where you know pe- legislatures are passing laws saying this should be legal. Exactly. And since then, Jeff Sessions under President Trump, he rescinded that coal memo. So. People thought, "Uh uh-oh, are the feds going to start cracking down on marijuana cases again? But despite rescinding that memo and saying, hey, I leave it up to you guys what you want to pursue, U.S. attorneys generally have kept the same policy. Right. Trump didn't really shake things up with regard to... Um, marijuana enforcement federally. It was something that was seemed to be a very low priority for him. And, you know, here we are with Joe Biden as president. Again, not much has changed. It's, it's kind of like the government's just kind of taking a step back. They did that in the Obama administration, and they're, they're kind of allowing states to do their own thing. Yeah, and that, that has continued through the last three, um, you know, administrations. And right now, here's what federal law enforcement is looking at or U.S. attorneys are looking at to decide if they're going to federally prosecute marijuana grows. They're looking at things like the number of plants, okay, just like the Cole memo said. So, you know, if you have maybe 500 plants, that's going to get the Fed's attention, okay? They're looking at whether firearms were involved in the bust, they're looking at whether money, money laundering was part of it, right. whether these people were using minors. They're looking at the criminal records of the people who were busted. And they're looking at interstate shipping, right? right? So it's a combination of all these things where independent U.S. attorney offices, so the U.S. Attorney Office for Colorado, U.S. Attorney Office for Nebraska is looking at these separately and doing their own assessment, does this rise to the level where we feel like we need to take state or federal action? Yeah. I mean, anecdotally, as defense attorneys who practice law in this area, I can tell you that, I mean, uh, from what we've seen, there are much more state cases uh, than there are federal cases that are being prosecuted. It really just seems like the feds have have shifted their priorities to other things. Um, again, I'm not saying that they're not enforcing these laws. I'm just, it really has, we've no, seen a noticeable change in the amount of federal prosecutions for marijuana offenses we're seeing now than we did maybe 10 years ago. Absolutely. So, okay. So we've talked about how, you know, the feds aren't being super aggressive. We've talked about the states. They're definitely trending towards legalization. So, you know, let's talk about what's happening in Congress right now, because Congress, you know, there's a lot of people who are pro legalization. There are becoming more and more studies out there talking about the harms of the the societal harms of these prosecutions in a lot of cases. So there are a couple of things going on. Like there's the MORE Act, M-O-R-E, Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. This act was just passed April 1st, 2022 in the House. This is heading to the Senate. Where it will probably be soundly defeated. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, that's that's how it's been going. I'm, well, I say unfortunately, if you're an advocate for marijuana right. legalization or decriminalization. Mm-hmm. 
But this is an act that would remove marijuana from the list of federally controlled substances, so it would remove it from that CSA Act. It would expunge the record of people convicted for certain lower-level marijuana-related crimes, and it would reduce the sentences for other higher-level marijuana-related crimes. So this act has pretty good support in the House, but like Colin said, it's probably dead on arrival in the Senate. Yeah, I don't... I thought, what, Do they need 60 votes? For, they need 60. Yeah, and, and I don't think there are 40 senators or 40 plus senators who are going to support this. And, 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 you know, we actually have uh, some history to look at with regard to marijuana legislation because, Russ, why don't you catch us up also? Um, I, I think the last podcast we did, we talked about in 2019, there was legislation to introduce the ability for banks to bank with um, marijuana businesses, with dispensaries, with growers, things like that. Has that gone any further? <laughs> so, so it it has started to go further. So we're talking. You're talking about the Safe Banking Act, okay? SAFE. That stands for Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act. The reason why this is an issue for anyone out there is because marijuana is illegal federally. That means that any bank, any federal bank that works with marijuana companies is exposed to civil and criminal penalties, mm-hmm. right? You're exposed to criminal penalties because you're aiding and abetting a federal crime by letting a business that operates in a federally illegal business right. run its money through you. You're potentially guilty of money laundering. In fact, you are guilty of money right. laundering, not even potentially. Right. Um, So this act, this safe act would create a safe harbor where you would not be able to, the banks would not be able to be criminally prosecuted and they wouldn't be exposed to civil penalties for violation of federal banking laws. This safe banking act, Colin, has passed the house six separate times. Mm -hmm. It has got out of the house and every time it gets defeated at the Senate, most recently it just got attached to a must-pass defense spending bill. So we'll see what happens with this. Maybe lucky number seven right. is, is going to come through. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a matter of time. I mean, I'm, I'm, when, you, when we talk about 18 states now legal over the course of eight years, I, I just you see a trend. It's undeniable. And again, we've seen this many times in the United States history. Often, the government is kind of the last to catch up with the will of the people. And, you know, this is, this is one of those examples, I think. So, Colin, why? Tell me if you know, why is it important? Why is it a big deal that marijuana companies can use banks? Why does that matter? Why can't they just not use banks? Well, I mean, the funny thing is, is I think that when you take banks away from the equation, I think you actually strengthen the black market. I mean, if, if, if you are starting a weed business... And maybe you are in a state that's maybe less friendly than other states with regard to marijuana. If you don't have financial backing, you might be in a position where you might want to, I guess, <clears throat> boost your revenue by shipping out of state to, you know, or doing something that you know is illegal that you're not allowed to do because it's very much illegal still uh, to ship uh, from one state to another, even if it's one legal state to another. Right, right. Anyone out there <clears throat> who is who is listening to this and saying, "Oh, the feds are cracking are not cracking down on this," I'm going to go ahead and yeah. send send my ounce of of weed from California to my buddy in Nebraska. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do not do that. Don't do that. And don't think that you can put it in a coffee container and that that's going <laughs> to oh, no, eliminate no, dogs, the smell. <laughs> I, I heard dogs can't smell through coffee. <laughs> or shampoo. What else have we seen, Russ? Uh, well, I mean. Uh, we, chocolate bars. Uh, yep. You can't. Yeah, don't repackage that. Just don't do it. It, yeah. it. Because that's still a very high target for enforcement. But the point that I'm making is. You're more you're more likely to test the black market as someone in this industry than you are if you actually have legitimate financial backing. That's, you know, and and so that's absolutely true. And here's another thing: the fact that these places do not have the ability to use banking system means they can't take credit cards, they can't take debit cards. That is a huge problem because that just means you're dealing in cash. Mm-hmm. Even if you're sitting there wanting to be completely above board, you are still dealing in these huge amounts of cash. And here in Colorado, we have seen a lot of armed robberies right. because they know, these guys know that dispensaries have a large amount of cash. We're seeing homicides based on this. So this absolutely is increasing risk to the public and increasing you know, harm. That's, that's exactly right. So but again, I think we think this this trend is is going to eventually get to one of legalization. When that happens, I guess we'll wait and see. But uh, the states seem to be way more progressive than the federal government is on, on this issue right now. Yeah, so. so far, so far, that's what's looking, what's happening. So at this point, you know, Colin, you have an interesting stat on one of the states, don't you? Yeah, we're um, Russ. Do you have any idea? what the current pot capital of the United States is. I mean, I, I do because we talked about this. <laughs> you, you spoil it for me, but I'm going to... I, I t- told you the half hour ago, right, is that right, what you're exactly. saying? Exactly. <laughs> but no, I'm going to go ahead and play along. No. Well, if I had to guess, Colin, if I had to guess totally blind before that conversation sure. half hour ago, my guess is going to be, I, I feel like there's there's a lot of kind of hippies in Washington, and they they were one of the first to legalize. I'm going to say Washington. As you know, that is incorrect. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to tell you what that state is right after we get back from our break to play. Is this legal with our guest, Dave Ferrante? Stay tuned. Our guest today is David Ferrante. He is a private investigator based in Sarasota, Florida. He works on the criminal defense side, but he also handles insurance investigations and claims. Prior to that, he was in law enforcement for 20 years prior to switching to the dark side, or as Russ and I call it, before he saw the light. In addition to running a successful investigations business, David spends his time in Florida kayaking, boating, and enjoying that heat. You can, you can learn more about David by going to his website, investigatoroncall.com. Please welcome to Is This Legal, David Ferrante. David, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, this is going to be fun. Well, welcome to the show, David. We are excited to have you and kind of dig into a little bit more about you and have you play Is This Legal. So uh, you, you reached out to us, uh, David, and, and let us know that you were uh, a private investigator. It sounds like that keeps you pretty busy, huh? Oh yeah, for sure. The uh, but between the criminal defense, I work for some attorneys, and the insurance fraud uh, investigation of the insurance claims. Um, I, I definitely have my hands full, and, and most weeks I, I can fill up my time pretty well. Now, um, you, you let us know a little bit about a story that uh, may have 
given your first introduction to the criminal uh, justice system, uh, tell us a story involving your teenage years and maybe some fire extinguishers. What do we need to know about that, David? <laughs> yeah, so uh, I grew up in uh, Akron, Ohio, and I was uh, for a little while there. I was known as the fire extinguisher bandit, but I was I was at large. <laughs> I was the fire fire extinguisher bandit at large. Uh, I don't know how it all got started, but uh, one day we're in the gymnasium. There, there was not, the teacher wasn't there. It was junior year of high school, and uh, because I'm an idiot, uh, <laughs> we were looking for something crazy to do, and, and we decided. Hey, let's uh let's screw around with that, that fire extinguisher and see when we squirt each other, like like a you know, any bright uh, 16-year-old would do. <laughs> sort of the gymnasium, you know, sort of instead of a squirt gun, it was like a squirt squirt gun on steroids. So we're playing with that. And I I got the notion that like, yo, this would be this would be great to cruise by the university and get the girls, you know, as they're coming out of classes. And, you know. <laughs> wow. And of course, so we started doing that and that we just started driving that. So we're, we're cruising through town. It was only so much you can do. Um, but we, we got the idea, Hey, listen, this is, this is cool. We're, we're screwing these people. Let's, uh, let's pick up another fire extinguisher and let's, let's start hitting drive-thrus. So we'd order <laughs> stuff through Taco Bell. We'd go through the drive-thru and then we got the powder ones and we'd squirt powder in there. And we'd take wow. Off. <laughs> Wow. So we, we were at large and we did it for, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe, maybe a month. And uh, <laughs> one day, one day we're, we're cruising around at nine, 10 o'clock at night, just after dark. And uh, I didn't have a fire extinguisher. I wanted to get a fire extinguisher so we could go to the university and, and squirt kids again, you know, girls and guys coming out of bars. And uh, we're by the hospital parking deck. And I, I jumped out of the car. I said, there's one over there. So I ripped one from the, hospital parking parking deck so that's theft yeah uh, jump back in the car we're cruising down the road there's this guy hitchhiking i said hey let's get him <laughs> we pull over to get him he's thumbing for a ride we squirt him we take off and it was just this big cloud of dust and we're laughing we look back and you know the, the police department in akron had those paddy wagons and i could just see the paddy wagon cross the hill the red and blues come on and we're like oh no <laughs> so <laughs> They pulled us over, and within, I don't know, 10 minutes, there must have been 15 cruisers there. They all wanted to see who the fire extinguisher bandit was. They finally got they finally got caught. <laughs> you were a legend, <laughs> David. You were a legend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's awesome. And then and, and your brief foray into crime ends up, uh, you know, spurning you on to a, a full law enforcement career, it sounds like. <laughs> and, I mean... David, it sounds like you went out in a blaze of glory, though. <laughs> <laughs> no pun yeah, intended. Yeah, one night in juvie was enough, and and uh, you know the punishment that I got from my dad when he picked me up and found out that his car had been towed was uh, was pretty substantial. So I, I, I turned things around right after that. <laughs> yeah, and ended up going into law enforcement, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, and now you're back on the dark side. So it's, it's nice <laughs> yeah. to have you again. <laughs> Everything's gone uh, full circle. <laughs> That's fantastic, David. Well, David, you are a past listener. You have heard how this segment works. So for anyone out there who is a new listener, we have reached the point in time when David is going to play Is This Legal With Us, where we give him a factual scenario, a hypothetical, and he tells us what his best guess is as to whether the actions are legal or not. So, David, are you ready to play 
Is this legal? Yes, I'm ready. Bring it on. All right, here we go. David, we are back with our friends Jebediah and Myrtle. Jebediah and Myrtle have continued their hot and cold relationship, culminating in a fight, which makes Myrtle so angry that she hops on her mare, heads to the local magistrate, and files for a civil protection order prohibiting Jebediah from contacting her. The magistrate grants the temporary protection order, and Myrtle enlists Sheriff Cornelius to serve the order on Jebediah. The next day, Cornelius still hasn't served the order, and Jebediah has no idea that Myrtle filed the temporary protection order. In an attempt to apologize for their previous fight, Jebediah leaves a giant bouquet of roses on Myrtle's doorstep with a note that says, I'm sorry. Is he guilty of a violation of that protection order prohibiting contact? Wow, this is a good one. And I had a feeling this was going to be a tough one. I was ready for last week's with the, the mens rea scenario. I had it. <laughs> okay. This one's, this one's going to be harder. <laughs> so uh, can I think this one out loud? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let us know what's right. going on. All right. So obviously there's the fight and then Myrtle goes to Sheriff the, to the magistrate and gets granted this the CPO, the civil protection order. Right. But Sheriff Cornelius does not get to serve it. And Jebediah does not have knowledge that that there's a, there's been an order that's been granted. So we might have, again, it's civil, so we might have that mens rea thing you guys talked about last week. Um, and I'm not an attorney, but I did sleep at Holiday and Express once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of thinking it's going to fall under those same lines, that, that same sort of scenario, because Jebediah does not have knowledge that's been served and he did not commit any act of aggression. He dropped off flowers to make amends. I'm going to say, I'm going to go with my gut and say that he has not committed an offense that uh, he could be charged with or prosecuted for. And David, you would be correct. All right, man. Well nice done. job, David. Excellent. Yeah, and that was we enjoyed, uh, you know, kind of walking you, uh, watching you think through this. That was that was really good logical reasoning there. So you know, you know, David, that we're not going to let you off the hook with just one right answer, right? Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so we got a follow up for you. <laughs> so, okay, I think I'm ready. All right. So here's your follow up. So Myrtle goes and gets the order. Okay. That night, Jebediah is at the Hitchin Post, and he hears from other people around that Myrtle was granted that temporary protection order, preventing him from contacting her. He realizes that Sheriff Cornelius is going to be looking for him to serve that order on him. So he hightails it out to his moonshine shack and spends the night out there. The next morning, he creeps to Myrtle's window at dawn, throws some pebbles at it, and when she opens it, he begs her to remove the order. Now, is he in violation of that protection order? Okay. So this got harder. Uh-huh. Now, now he's got some knowledge, but he's got knowledge from um, from from the regular folk, from the kinfolk right. in town, right? Right, That's right. Exactly. He hasn't been served by a by a 
a constable, a process server, nothing like that. Correct. He has been notified by law enforcement, but he's been notified through through word of mouth. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my guns on this. I'm gonna say that you know he he heard some things through the grapevine. We all hear things, and I'm gonna say that uh, because he had not been served, he had, was not in receipt of that actual CPO, that he's still not in violation. David, two for two. Well done. Yep. I mean, <laughs> and I, th- I think he's ready for his law degree now. I mean, I feel, I feel like it. And your reasoning, David, was was spot on, right? Yep. So, you know, yeah, he maybe has some constructive knowledge, but that's not actual knowledge. That's not service. And right. in uh, virtually everywhere, you need to actually have that service for that order to be in effect. So because he wasn't served, Judge didn't tell him about it in person. No constable, no sheriff served him with that order. He does not have actual knowledge, and he is not guilty of that violation. Yep, so Jebediah gets away with another one. (laughs) I'm a big Jebediah fan, so I'm happy for him. I feel like we have... Yeah, we we are too, and I feel we, like we most like of our him listeners. Up for success. Are... I mean, sometimes we got to smack him down a little bit and send him to, send him to prison. But for the most part, we kind of like that uh, that scalawag. So, uh, David, you did phenomenally with business legal. Thank you so much for playing. Uh, we love it when uh, when our guests win, especially twice. So, uh, David, in, in bringing our uh, segment here to a conclusion, can you tell our listeners where they can find more about you? And if there's anything that you would like to plug that is near and dear to your heart, now is a great time to do that. Sure, sure. So my passion, although I listen to you guys, and, and the reason I do it is because it's on the lighter side, and I appreciate that. But I listen to a variety of podcasts now because I'm in that criminal defense field. So my passion is in criminal defense and mitigation, um, and obviously uh, insurance fraud, insurance claims, that helps pay the bills as well. But if somebody needed uh, some help with a, with a criminal case, obviously, I'm not an attorney, but I am a, a good investigator. I run down leads, take statements, that sort of thing. I'm also a notary and a process server here in Florida. Uh, they can find me on my website, which is investigatoroncall.com, investigatoroncall.com. And uh, for criminal defense and mitigation cases, I'll cover just about the entire state of Florida. Awesome. Sounds like you are a good guy to know. Uh, so, David, thank you so much for playing. Um, listeners, check out David at uh, Investigator on Call. Uh, we thank you so much for being a guest on Is This Legal? And we will catch you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, hey, David. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care. All right, David. Have a great day. Bye-bye. 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 Welcome back, everyone. When we left off, Colin was about to drop the answer to what state is the pot capital of the United States. And I'm going to answer that in just a second, but Russ, uh, speaking of capitals, do you know the capital of Alaska? <laughs> yes, that's correct. Do, do, do you know? Do you know the capital of Alaska? <laughs> do you know? Yes. Capital of Alaska. Don't ask me if I know. Do you know the capital of Alaska? <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, just have a look. We're, we're going we're gonna to do who's on first, what's on second, uh, maybe, maybe later. Oh, man. Okay. So uh, guess what? It's not California. It is not Colorado. What about Washington? It, that was my wa- guess. It's not Washington. Um, the the cap, pot capital of the world is Oklahoma, and come, I am not joking. Come on. I am telling you. I, I've got some numbers for you. Um, right now, Russ, Oklahoma has more marijuana dispensaries than Oregon, 
Colorado and Washington combined. It only trails California, and that's because the population of Oklahoma is about one-tenth the size of California. Um, why is this going on? Why has this boom been created, you might be wondering? Um, it is the place to be if you are in the marijuana business, and the reason is is because there are very low gateways to enter into the business, okay? Um, in, in a place like California, in a place like Seattle, Washington, for example, you want to open up a pot shop, you're probably going to need a, at least a hundred grand cash on the barrel to take care of licensing, to take care of regulatory fees, stuff like that. And, 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 and by the way, in some of those cities, there's moratoriums on how many, uh, uh dispensaries they can actually open in Oklahoma. If you got $2,500, you get your you get yourself a license. There are no caps, Russ, in terms of how many licenses the state of Oklahoma can issue, and there are no caps at all regarding the number of farms a uh, dispensary can own or how much each farm can produce. So no you, limit on you plants. You heard me right. There is the sky is the limit. If you can grow it, you can be in Oklahoma. And so you have, here's what's going on. You have like old chicken coops being converted into marijuana farms. Um, you've got old fields where cattle used to graze. Those are becoming outdoor marijuana operations. Law enforcement, if they do see overages, if they do see like out of well, state drug no trafficking. such thing as overages. Right? If, if, if they see out of state trafficking, things like that, that right. we've identified earlier that are legal, they don't have the resources to keep up with this. So um, Oklahoma has become this major boom state. And think about it. If you look at Oklahoma on a map, look at what it borders. It borders the state of Texas, Russ. Texas is one of the more restrictive uh, pot uh, places in in you know it's still Texas. very much illegal. I think they only allow for CBD there. Right. So you you clearly got a black market funneling down to you know high uh, population areas in Texas, Texas, other states like Arkansas that border it that also have really tough weed laws. You can see how this is going. Right. But yeah, Oklahoma has become the pot capital of the world. It's fascinating. Well, it's so interesting because Oklahoma is not even legal recreationally. It's only it's only medical. Yeah, but it's super easy. That's another thing. I'm glad you brought that up. It's really easy to get a medical card. You know, you can go out in an hour, get a very brief evaluation. Uh, there's low licensing fees. I think it costs less than 50 bucks. Listen to this, Russ. One in 10 Oklahomans have a medical marijuana card. Wow. That's not pot smokers. Those are people who actually went out and got a card in order to legitimately purchase it. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that this is happening in, in a medical-only state is mind-boggling. So here's, here's what we have seen recently since this happened in Oklahoma. And this happened in Oklahoma within the last two years. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they've also decriminalized marijuana substantially. So, you know, the penalties for you go running afoul of the few laws that you actually can violate, like, like if you don't get a license, for example, okay. if you're just cultivating on your own, you can get punished, but it's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. So, you know, for all of these reasons, it's become a very, very friendly place for marijuana growers. And what we have seen, you know, we, we said earlier, the feds were not really enforcing this very strongly, but the state was. We had seen kind of a, a steady string of marijuana prosecutions where we were representing people who had these grows and these grows would be in basements of houses that they rented and they would they would essentially a lot of them would 
tap into the city power line because marijuana grows take extra power. Right. You have all these lights that are high voltage that have to be on these plants to get them to grow properly. So that's that's how the state investigates these, right? right. They're looking at electric bills and saying, is there a house in the neighborhood that has, you know, 10 times the electric bill of the other houses? Right. If so, this is an issue and we may have a weed grow here. That's that's exactly right. Um, so I mean, it's amazing that this is happening in Oklahoma. It's funny you mentioned that there 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 is a re- there is a pushback in Oklahoma uh, for both elected officials as well as U.S. congressmen from Oklahoma that want to kind of turn the tide. There, there's talks about whether or not there's going to be a moratorium on these licenses that are issued. There are concerns that deal with exactly what you're talking about right now. A lot of states are experiencing a very severe heat wave. Um, water is a huge resource that gets consumed by these marijuana farms. You've got cattle ranchers who are being pitted against marijuana growers over water rights wow. and stuff like that. So that's going on. So, but you know, that's where the fights are. Like, are we going to regulate how much water you can use if you're a dispensary? Are we going to regulate how much power from the power grid, <clears throat> excuse me, you can use? It's not about whether or not marijuana is here to stay or not. It's about yeah. what are we going to do about it now well, that it's here. How interesting. And from Oklahoma's standpoint, <laughs> I mean, their whole new regulatory system, the the whole they have to be raking in just a ton of tax revenue, right? Because because they're That's exactly right. The, the people who are doing it in Oklahoma, it's a volume business, right? So, yeah, it's only 2500, but when you have, you know, thousands of people doing these backyard marijuana grows, that is a lot of money to the state of Oklahoma. Well, right. And, and I'm going to get all economics professor on you right now because so there's there's all the supply, right? Well, <clears throat> that's lowered the cost of marijuana because there's so much weed. There's so many people flocking there that marijuana is really on the cheap. So of course, if it's so easy to buy marijuana, that's going to strengthen your consumer base and make it more and more prevalent, which again is why we're seeing this direction going one way and I, one way only. I, I had no idea you were so versed in the supply yeah. demand curves. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm why don't e- you call me Adam Smith? I mean, I'm in <laughs> the invisible hand <laughs> coming <laughs> and moving that marijuana. I mean, I'm an econ undergrad. I mean, you don't even have the background. Yeah, would you like me to go you. macro or micro? Whoa. I mean, we can let's let's really I get tell into this. Yeah, he's dropping it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Russ, what's, uh, let, let's, let's shift gears a little bit, but we, I think, um, one thing we wanted to look at is, well, if the trend is kind of going toward legalization, what does your political affiliation have to say about this? Like what, what, you know, if, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, if you're in the middle, uh, unaffiliated, whatever, here, here are some numbers for you. And I, I think this is going to present a little bit of a conundrum for Republicans. We'll, we'll talk about this as we go. But here's, here's some numbers, Russ. Um, so listen to this. A majority of registered voters in every single state, all 50 states, now favor making cannabis legal. Uh, support ranges from the low end of 52% in North Dakota to the high of 81%, which is uh, Vermont and Washington are tied. So if you are in a state in the country right now, more people than not favor the legalization of cannabis. I think that's the first time I've ever been able to utter that sentence. No, that's that's amazing. And I had some other stats on the national sentiment towards marijuana. You know, in a 2021 Gallup poll, 
About 68% of Americans favor legalizing marijuana. Mm -hmm. That is the highest measure in more than 50 years of polling. Additionally, there was a 2021 Pew Research Center poll that found, this is crazy, a total of 91%, 91, Colin, of Americans support some sort of legalization, yet 60% supported full legalization of marijuana, another 31% saying it should also be legalized medically. That's right. So th- those numbers are staggering. And if you look at any, you, you can look this up on your, on, on your Google machine at home. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to be at, at home to whip out your no, cell phone? You, could, you, you, you can actually use your Google machine you anywhere. To, listen, you have to be at home in order to conduct it. If you do it on the road or at work, you're violating Russ's rules. <laughs> well, you never know what kind of results you're going to get picked up. I mean, you could, if you're, if you're a hardcore conservative and you do a search in like Washington, for example, you're probably going to get some leftist pinky neo, <laughs> neo socialism results, but, right. and, and vice versa. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but, but so anyway, so go home. We're, we what? all know that we're more honest to Google at home anyway. Right. When we Google at home, our search history is more honest, right? But anyway, if you see these graphs, like the the curve of support for marijuana legalization is like almost vertical at this right. point. Well, and, and I, I mentioned, you know, Democrats and Republicans earlier. Here, here's an interesting number. Um, net support for legalizing marijuana has uh, has risen Twice as much for Republicans as it did for Democrats and independents over the last four years. That's because so, Democrats were already there. <laughs> right. I, 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 yeah, that's, I think that's right. <laughs> I thought that too when I looked at it, but it's still, and they're making yeah. a point that support is absolutely growing for Republicans. Right. And you can see that, right? I mean, if depending on your outlook of what the Republican Party represents, if, if you're looking for limited gov- government intrusion, um, you know, free markets right. and capitalism, and you want business to thrive. This is something you can champion, okay? But, you know, of course, there's there's the older generation, which has just been kind of indoctrinated that weed is bad going back to the reefer madness days. I think you have a lot of that going on in the party. And to me, again, we've talked about the federal government just is not quite in step with the American people. I think you see that with some politicians as well who want to keep their older, uh, you know, conservative constituents happy. And but then you look at Oklahoma, you're like, well, what do you do with that? Right, right. Yeah, it 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 really there's there's outliers. In mean, Oklahoma, you know, I think is still one of the reddest states in the country. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's very interesting where where this lies. It's very interesting where it'll go. It's interesting to me that the House is passing this stuff with at least some crossover votes, and the Senate is just not there at all. Like yeah. that's interesting to me. I don't know. I mean. At this point, if I am in any state that is more restrictive with marijuana and I'm looking at the revenue that's come in from places like California or Colorado, Oklahoma, even even though we have a shorter time span for which this we've been looking at them, boy, that's a lot of dollars that uh, government agencies are just leaving on the table. Well, and the other side of it is, you know, the argument traditionally has been, well, we don't care about the money because you're you're causing all this extra social harm if right. you legalize it. And I'll tell you, there were a lot of people who were uh, prognosticating the apocalypse in Colorado and Washington when it got legalized, right. and that just did not come to pass. Yeah, exactly. 
So there it is. There's kind of the landscape of marijuana. Russ, um, anything else? Well, well, let's go back to our question. Is it legal to grow weed in marijuana legalized states? And the, and the answer is, look, look at your local statutes, right? <laughs> because it's going to vary everywhere. You know, right. in, in Colorado, you can grow a limited amount of personal consumption marijuana, but it's limited. Right. And if you go beyond that, it's still criminal. Despite the fact that it's a legal state, you can't have a hundred plant grow if you just have, you know, for personal consumption. Right. Exactly. Uh, I mean, the crackdown can be so funny. I mean, I remember back in 2014, 15 days, Russ, we we heard about all these clients who were, you know, here in Colorado visiting. Then they'd go cross the state line into Oklahoma or Wyoming. They'd get pulled over every time. And, of course, (laughs) these officers would find their weed. Oh, yeah. They were were just cracking down on out-of-state offenders. That still happens. Right. Um, But, again, I think there's definitely a seismic shift in uh, public opinion about this substance and its future in America. Well, I'll tell you one one last final anti- anecdote, and then a- we'll anecdote. An- 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 oh, I want to hear your anecdote. Yeah. Does it have antics in it? It, it clearly has antics. Tell me it, all it, about it. It's it's antics from uh, clients, <laughs> and it is like we've had multiple clients here who are accused of large marijuana grows. We're talking about 100-plus plant grows, and we sit down with them and we say, well, you know, what were you doing with this marijuana? And the the single person or the two people who are sitting in front of us say, well, I have a nerve issue in my back. <laughs> like, okay, that's fine. So, but what were you doing with a hundred plants? I well, need, I need a hundred plants. Right? I was, I was going to use it to, you know, ease the pain from the nerve issue in my back. Yeah. And you know, better safe than sorry. Right. I say, right. You can't have too much medication, <laughs> can't, right? Can't have too much. Yeah. So there you go. Um, all right. Well, I think we're at uh, the stage now where, uh, it's time for a DCOTW. That's right, everybody. Uh, our uh, America's fav- favorite segment, the Dumb Criminal of the Week. It is my turn, Russ. Um, we're going, I don't know if we've been to this state yet. Uh, we're going to the state of Missouri. Uh, we're, we're, we're not going to Florida this time. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay, so uh, here's what I got for you. Ready? You ready to put on your judging, judging cap? Let's hear it. <sighs> Missouri resident Derek Wabash, this week's DCOTW. He needed some quick cash, Russ. He, he didn't care he, how he got it. Just like J.G. Wentworth, he needed cash now. <laughs> uh, so he thought, well, you know, I, uh, there's a store at the end of this Kansas City area strip mall. I guess maybe I'll rob the place. And so that's exactly what he decided to do. He armed himself with a baseball bat and went into the store and brazenly demanded cash from the owner. And this might have worked for us. This might have worked except for the fact that the store in question was a gun shop. <laughs> and when threatened with Derek and his bat, <laughs> the owner simply reached down and pulled out one of the many handguns at his disposal in the store and held Derek at gunpoint until the police arrived. The owner is quoted later, I'm not quite sure if he had a plan or what his objective was. He was also on video the whole time. So um, 
you know, the moral story, of course, is never bring a bat to a gunfight. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, so that's uh, that's Derek Wabash, everybody from uh, Missouri, from from the Show Me State. From the Show Me State. It's the Show Me State, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, so... Good, good um, call. What? Uh, what do you think about Derek Ross? How, so this is for those listeners who are new, we, we, we award knuckleheads based on stupidity. One out of five score. If you get a five, that's the stupidest thing we've ever seen. So where are we at Russ? So, you know, after the last DCOTW last couple, I felt like I was just giving out too many knuckleheads and I was giving out rankings that were too high. But for Derek, I don't see how you could make a case for anything less than five. Wow. Like, you, you, I mean, really, he got caught, he was on video, and he tried to rob a gun store with a bat? Yeah, and no mask, and no, no, mean, let's not conceal our identities at all. Derek, <clears throat> I mean, Derek, 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 hopefully you do not have kids, because we do not need to add your genes to the gene pool. <laughs> I can't disagree with anything you said, Russ. Um I, I am curious about one piece of information that I don't have in the information that I looked at, which is, did he know it was a gun store before entering and completing his plan? I I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe if he, he did know, I mean, obviously it makes it more stupid, right? Yes. It, but if he didn't know, that is, isn't that more stupid? Like, you don't even know what, you haven't cased the joint, you don't know what the situation is inside? I mean, he knew or he is too dumb to learn how to read. Right, right. (laughs) Either way, it's five knuckleheads. (laughs) We get to the same place, don't we? Exactly. Yeah, I'm not going to split hairs here. Five knuckleheads for you. That's a perfect 10 to uh, Derek. So uh, there you go. Another uh, DCOTW, and that's going to do another Is This Legal podcast for us. We would like to thank our guest today, Dave Ferrante. What a great guy, right? Um, Hey, if you need a private investigator, now you know where to look. Investigatoroncall.com. And... Uh, we, if, if you need to find us, where's our stuff for us? We can go, is this legal pod on Twitter? You can catch us on Facebook at Hebbets McCallan. You can email us directly at Denver crime law at gmail.com. That's what David did. And that's what got him on the shelf. So be, be careful what you wish for when you click that <laughs> right. send button. Yeah. So if anyone has, you guys have an idea for a future episode, you have a criminal case going on in your locality that you think is sexy. Let us know. Who knows? Maybe we'll cover it and maybe we'll get you on the show. We make dreams come true here, everybody. <laughs> have a great day. been listening to Is This Legal? See you next time.